Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Colin Squires. So you want to uh, yeah, grab a seat? Oh, you're ahead of the curve. <laughs> Just uh, making sure I turn my mic on. A friend of mine um, is a vicar in the Anglican Church, and he said he, he, loves, he loves the Anglican Church and all the traditions and things that go with it. And he said that his, his vicar, you know, the, the senior guy above him, said he imagines that in about 100 years, before anyone comes to speak, they make sure they lift their hands, and then they just reach behind them and just touch their lower back, and then they'll begin. Uh, out of tradition, forgetting that it's actually because someone's reaching behind them and turning their mic on. Um, <laughs> but eventually we won't have those and we'll just still just do this anyway. Oh, it's funny. We love, love it. Love a good tradition now and then. Hey, it's funny. Um, but yeah, thank you, Andrew. As, as he said, I'm one of the assistant congregation leaders in Horsham. For those of you who haven't met me before, and it, is, it means I don't get to be around the other congregations as much as I used to, as much as I would like, but it is so great to be here with you guys this morning. And, um, and we, as I'm sure you know, are about halfway through now our series across the whole church about what it means to live our lives, uh, next step life as a worshipper. And uh, we kick things off with uh, a message all about what it means to know the one that we worship. We can't be a worshipper without knowing who we worship that Pastor Jonathan brought. And then we move through talking about what it means to have the mindset of a worshipper, this abundant God-given mindset. Um, we started looking at what it means to be a person of prayer because these things, worship and prayers, we heard Viv talking about earlier, they go together hand in hand. Um, and then, of course, we, we had Jen, you guys have the video down here. Um, speaking about what it means to be a people of prayer, worshipping together and praying together. And I don't know about you, but when, when I heard Jen speak, or any time I hear that, that woman speak, it just, it does something in me and I can't help but want to pray because there's just, it's just something of God and what he's done in her. And I love that each of these messages has been brought by somebody in every congregation that carries that message. It's not just preaching from a sheet of paper, it's preaching from what God has done in them. And, uh, and I find when you hear someone speaking out of what God's done in them, I don't know about you, but it just, it, it grips you. It, it makes me go, God, do that in me, do the same in me. And, uh, and, and then we have those messages about what it means to be a people of worship and how we worship together in this kind of context, this kind of setting with music and all that kind of thing. And then you had Andy last week speaking about what it means to worship through adversity. And you might think if you sort of looked across those things, like those look like sort of quite different subjects. But of course, as a worshipper, we can't separate our worship and our life. Um, and today we're talking about relationships. And I'm not here because I'm some relationship counsellor or I've got some great revelation on like, God's plan for, for relationships or anything like that. But just recently, this is something that God's been really challenging me in. And I believe that, that it's not that I've got anything to say this morning, but I believe the Holy Spirit wants to provoke us, every one of us, to response to him. The Holy Spirit's always got something that he wants to say to us. Amen. Um, and so, yeah, we've been looking about these, these different things. And relationships for me, um, as I said, God's been taking me on a journey over the last couple of years, probably. Um, and some of the things he's been showing me in my heart um, haven't been pretty. I haven't realised maybe that they were there. And when he showed me that they were there, I didn't really like it very much. Um, it wasn't a very nice thing maybe to discover. But God loves me enough to not let me stay where I was. And, and though it might be difficult or it might be uncomfortable, he loves us enough to bring us through 
that discomfort for our good. Amen. And, and I'm still on the journey, but what God has done in me has meant that I now have relationships around me, friendships, um, mental relationships with my wife um, that, that I've never had before to quite this extent of such depth, such honesty, such reality, that there are relationships that I have where there is nothing that is off the table, nothing that cannot be talked about, nothing that can't be broached, nothing that is too personal, nothing that is, oh, if they knew that about me, would they still love me? It's just complete openness and honesty. And I thank God for it. And I believe that's what he wants for us. I feel like I've had a taste of what he, he wants for every relationship. Um, and I believe that's not just, not just for any one of us or me individually, but for all of us. And so we might be thinking, well, why are we talking about relationships? I thought this was the next step as a worshipper. But of course, we know that Paul said in Romans 12, 1, he said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, for this is your act of spiritual worship. Thank you, Jesus, is not your act of spiritual worship. He didn't say singing is your act of spiritual worship or, or songs or lifting your hands. He said your bodies, your whole life is your act of spiritual worship. And what we like to do, I think, is sometimes go, well, here's my relationship with God over this side. I love him. I worship him. Jesus, you're Lord. You're awesome. And then relationships over this side. Oh, I can't stand them. You know, we like to separate them out. But Jesus says, no, these two things, they cannot be separated because the two things are one. Our whole bodies, our whole lifestyles, our worship. It's, I think the, whether it's easy for us to say in worship, Lord, you are king of everything. I lay my whole life down before you. Take all of me. Amen. Hallelujah. In a song. But then when that impacts our wallets, our time and our relationships is when we go, oh, Jesus, you can have all of me. Oh, but you want my money. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. You want my time. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. Um, I think there's a reason why in the 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus shares, he talks about money and, and, uh, and possessions. And all throughout the Bible is talking about finances because he knows this is the things, these are the things that really touch our hearts. These are where the rubber hits the road. This is where our faith is tested to prove that it is genuine. Amen. And so we like to try and separate out relationship with God and relationship with people. Um, but when the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, tell us, uh, teacher, what is the most important commandment? Jesus said this. He said, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, the word like there, the second is like it, is the Greek word homios, which means the same type of equal importance. Heinrich Meyer, who's a famous um, New Testament um, commentator, he puts it this way. He was an expert on Greek language, by the way, or all sorts of languages. He said, this word homios, this word like, means of the same nature and character, possessing to an equal extent the condition of greatness and therefore no less radical and fundamental. So to love the Lord your God and to love people are inextricably linked. You cannot separate the two. The way that we love and relate to others is just as important as we relate to God. Jesus said this, for, for, well, the, the Bible says this, so Jesus, the word speaking to us, says, the way that we love and relate to others is just as important. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And this is a difficult one for, for us, especially if we feel like maybe some of our relationships aren't where they should be because it sort of highlights, oh, I can't maybe separate these two columns. 
And we had, a, we had a testimony last week in Horsham of this lady called Suki who went through a very, very difficult uh, time with her health. She was in hospital for a long time. Um, she needed surgeries she, that she didn't get. Then one problem led to another problem, and it was, it was a nightmare for her. But through all of this, she was saying, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And though it was a terrible situation, God turned it around for good and brought something so precious out of it. And that she said, what it made me realize is was I was saying, God, when are you going to do my thing? And I wasn't going, God, what is your will? What do you want to do? And she said it was like this stone in my heart got pulled out and my relationship with God suddenly flourished in the midst of this terrible situation. And it was like it pulled out this stone that was blocking her relationship with God. And I feel like what God wants to do today is, is, is pull out the stones that maybe not block us this way, but pull out the stones that are blocking us this way. Um, so before, um, before I start, I, I just, let's just pray. Let's just pray. God, would you just pray this? God, would you speak to me? Holy Spirit, come and bring your grace, bring your mercy, bring your healing in areas of my life where there's this, this rockiness or stoniness or hardness. Show me areas that you want to unblock. Show me the areas I need to forgive. And if you're not a Christian in the room today, I encourage you, pray this anyway. This is a great place to start. Just say, God, would you just show me what you want to do in my heart? Show me if there's anything you want to unblock in my heart. And, and he, he responds. You know, he'll respond. Even if you've never prayed before, he'll want, he wants to respond to you this morning. Amen. Now, I believe this morning what God wants to do is equip us with the, his blueprint for healthy relationships. But before we get there, we need to do some business uh, to deal with those relationships that maybe in our eyes have already gone wrong or are, or are going wrong. Um, I had some friends, Kate and I had some friends of ours share this story with us a few years ago. They'd been married for many years and um, we were, we were spending some time with them and they were just like newlyweds, you know, they were just so in love, they were like, you know, giggling and like touching each other all the time and like sometimes a little bit of like, oh, this is a public place, you know, <laughs> they were getting a little bit, um, yeah, friendly, but it was so <laughs> lovely to see that they were just so, in lo- so evidently in love and we we're saying, what's happened, what's, what's been going on in you? And she said, oh, it was amazing, we had the worst argument last night. And I was thinking, that's not the way Kate and I usually are after the worst argument last night. Um, but they had this terrible argument last night. And, um, uh, and she said, what happened was um, somebody said something that really, really hurt. Really hurt. And in my words, it was like a knife in the gut and, you know, a twist. It was so painful. But it wasn't the word that was spoken that was so painful. It was that they realised that it echoed a, the same kind of word that was spoken in their first couple of weeks of marriage, where in anger somebody had said something really hurtful, and they realised that now, all these years later, that it was like that had never been dealt with, and that open wound that had been festering was just prodded, and it wasn't the prod that hurt, it was the fact that she realised that this wound was there. And, uh, and what was so good, though, was that this argument brought it out. They were able to talk about that hurt because of what you said when we first got married. And they were able to have this conversation that dealt with it. And it was like, what, what she said was, it was like this wall just between us came, that we didn't even realise was there came crashing down. And suddenly we could see each other and it was just like we were newlyweds all over again. They just fell in love over again because they didn't have this blockage. And it reminded me of a picture that, that my wife Kate had had um, a little while just before we'd got married. 
where some people around us had just been having real difficulties in their relationships. There had been breakups and all sorts of things and marriage falling apart. And, and she was just praying, saying, God, what's going on in these relationships? These people, they love you. They, you know, they're great people. What's going on? And God just gave her this picture of a wall between them. And he said, but you have to realize that the wall isn't built up overnight. It's not like suddenly a wall drops and, and there it is. It's built up brick by brick. And if you don't deal with those bricks at the time, then bit by bit it builds a wall until one day you turn around and you realize, how did that get there? Where's the end of it? Where did it start? And, uh, and so we made a decision in our marriage, let us never let a single brick be laid between us. And, uh, and I praise God for that what he spoke and, and, and causing, provoking our hearts to response because it has meant that in our marriage it has, it has oh my good, I could not begin to explain just the good that that has done in our marriage um, and I'm so thankful for it. So we're talking this morning about bricks. What are bricks? Now to help us kind of visualise this, you know I used to be a children's worker so uh, I love to have a little, uh, little pictorial element. So here we go. I've brought some bricks with me. What are bricks? Here is a, here's a brick. This one's not too hard, but you know, bear with me. It's green. But um, a brick is when somebody hurts us. Maybe in a moment of anger, they say something hurtful. Or maybe they uh, forget our birthday. We feel a bit let down. Um, not this morning. Great. The guys are singing happy birthday. Um, or uh, maybe um, we feel like... They're not keeping up their side of the, of the relationship. You know, we're putting all the love in. And what are they doing? They're just, they're just coasting. They're not taking their part in it. Or maybe we feel neglected or ignored and a brick is laid. Maybe we just feel like um, they, they don't care. Or maybe you've just had an argument and you've locked it away in your mind and now you think you're always like that. And you start to see this kind of like this filter. Now, every time they do it, bang, bang, laying more and more bricks. But I think it's really important to point out that a brick is not laid when someone does something that hurts us. We lay a brick down when we take offense. Because to, to, to paint this picture that it was the other person's fault that caused this brick to be laid would, would say that we don't have a part to play. But it's not actually the incident. It's not the thing that happened. It is our response or more often our reaction to it that causes the brick to be laid. It is our offense, our bitterness, my anger, my resentment, my pride that causes this to be laid and it's also important to realize this that between myself and Andrew if I were to lay one brick that's not really a problem we can still see each other we can still interact right or we don't have to worry about we'll ignore that one Andrew we'll just pretend that didn't happen although secretly I filed it away and I really hate you for it but (laughs) but we can carry on to have a really lovely relationship one brick's not a problem and that's the issue isn't it one brick we can pretend isn't a problem but it's not long before they start to build up So what does a brick do? These bricks that slowly pile up, they do lots of different things. Um, They firstly, of course, they bring separation between us. They start to make it harder and harder for us to relate one to another because we start to build up this wall between us. It starts to give us filters. And what I mean by this is if we were to keep laying these bricks of offense, of hurt, of bitterness, what we start to get is something like this. I'll hold this up so you can see. We start to see people 
through a little hole in the wall where we start to filter everything through the hurt, through the bitterness, through the pain, through the anger, and then everything that they say or everything that they do, we no longer hear what they mean, we just hear what we think that they mean. We hear it confirming all of the hurt and the anger, like, I knew you'd say that. They've never said it, but I knew you would. Uh, and of course, we get to this point, and what we can go is like, this isn't a problem, like, that's, you know, there's nothing between us, it's fine. Don't look at this bit, you know, like, it's, it's absolutely fine. But the wall starts to build up higher and higher and higher. Um, this separation stops us from being able to love the other person, but it stops us being able to receive love from them. It also brings separation between us and God. Matthew 6.15 says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. And we love to sing the song, faithful you are. He's faithful to his word. Every promise he has given is yes and amen in Christ. This is one of his promises. He will not forgive us if we don't forgive our brother. And we love to, you know, like quote the promises of God all about his love and his goodness. This is his love. Don't mistake me here. This is his love. Him withholding forgiveness from us is for our good because he wants to teach us to be merciful to others and not take his mercy for granted. He also says that we we know that God resists the proud. And if we're really honest with ourselves, this building this wall, this saying, God, yeah, but you don't know how much they've hurt me or you don't know, I know better, is, is pride if we're really honest with ourselves. And God has to resist us. I don't believe he wants to, but he says, I must be faithful to my word. I must resist you so that this thing can be broken. Now, I want to share a bit of my testimony because as much as God was doing this whole thing and talking about bricks and dealing with bricks in my marriage, I hadn't really realized there was another area of my life where I was not putting this into practice. Um, And I can't be, if I'm honest with you, I can't really remember where the hurt first started. Someone did something or said something, I don't honestly remember. Um, And that's often the way, isn't it? But I look back and and I thought, oh, this person hurt me and I'm not sure I want to be vulnerable with them anymore. And of course, what did I do? I laid a brick. In my case, it was distrust. Don't trust you. I think if you've hurt me once, you'll hurt me again. So I'm going to purposely build up a barrier between us so that I'm not going to be vulnerable with you anymore. I started to find that I sort of view everything through that hurt. I started to see it through the chink in the wall, you know, through that hole in the wall, where I didn't see all of them and everything that they could bring. I saw just this little bit that I wanted to see. Um, and everything that they said, everything they did, it was hurtful. Even if they said, I love you so much. Well, yeah, you don't really mean it. I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> you know, like, and it added yet more bricks to the wall. Um, and the longer it went on, the more bricks were added. I would start to role play in my head that would conf- with this, this person having conversations in my head. Anyone ever done that? You have a conversation with a person in your head. It's not just me. I hope it's not just me. Um, but uh, actually, maybe I hope it is me because then none of you are doing it and that's great. But uh, I would start to have these conversations in my head where I would say like, oh, you know, well, you said this to me, and then they would say exactly what I thought back, and I'd go, I knew it, you're such a horrible person, and it confirmed to me, a conversation that never happened, confirmed to me that they did really mean exactly what I thought that they meant. I once went out with a girl a long time ago, who, um, when she saw me one morning, we went out one morning, she thumped me really hard in the arm. I was like, what was that 
for? She said, you were so mean to me last night. I said, but I didn't see you last night. She said, in my dream, you were really horrible to me. Thumped me again. I was like, I can't help that. Funnily enough, that relationship didn't last very long. <laughs> But I was playing these roles, role plays out in my head and it would confirm to me the hurt that I felt. Um, it started to affect... Um, I started to believe that they, they didn't like me. They were angry with me or disappointed with me. It started to play on my own fears of rejection or intimidation or need to be accepted. It started to affect the way that I saw myself and God. If they see me that way, does God see me this way? Does God reject me? Does God think that of me? I started to justify it. Well, you don't understand. I, I don't need to forgive them because you, they've not apologised. You don't understand what they did. You don't know how bad they are. You know, that's, this justification started to come up. I started to believe the lie of unforgiveness, that if I stayed angry and didn't forgive, that I would in some way be punishing them. And it's like, that sort of attitude is like pouring petrol over ourselves, lighting ourselves on fire and hoping the other person dies with smoke inhalation. It's this, it burns us, it hurts us, it poisons us. It doesn't really affect the other person. But I, and I knew that, I know that, but I wasn't living it. Now, I pray about this, and every time something happened, I would bring it to God and I would forgive the other person. Um, but the thing was, I didn't do the thing that God was challenging me in. He didn't just want me to just forgive it at surface level. He needed to do something in my heart, not just, you know, shallow but a heart work. He wanted restoration, not just, not just a, a shallow level of forgiveness. And the picture that I had, it was like um, when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. Lazarus had died and Jesus said, come out. And Lazarus comes out and then Jesus says, now take the grave clothes off of him. And it was like I'd come out of my unforgiveness. I'd, I'd, I'd repent, I said, God, forgive me. But it was like I didn't want to take the grave clothes off. I still wanted to see through that filter. I still didn't want to be vulnerable. I still wanted to hold myself back. I still wanted the wall. And it was like walking along like a mummy coming out of the tomb. And it wasn't long before one of my bandages got caught. I tripped over and I dragged straight back in there. Like someone snapping an elastic band straight back to where I was. And the next time I saw this person, oh, I can't stand them. You know, it just came up again. Like, oh, I've forgiven them. I hate them. Um, and, uh, and God loved me enough to not let me stay where I was. Thank you, Jesus. I eventually, through, uh, I spent time talking with a, a, another trusted friend. I actually spoke with Simon Coles. I don't know if you guys know Simon. Um, he's the executive pastor. And it, like God, what God has done in that man around relationships, it's, oh, it's amazing. And I just needed somebody, a trusted friend. I wouldn't go and talk about this with everyone, by the way. That would not be right. But um, with just this, this, this man, just, I need some advice here. What can I do? And with his support and his prayer, um, I eventually went and had the conversation. It was not easy. It was really difficult. I really didn't want to do it. And I told the person. Um, but I knew that I had to. And the first thing I did, I said, please forgive me. Forgive me for this. This wall, my bitterness, my anger towards you, my resentment towards you. I've not been able to receive anything from you. I've just, and, and please forgive me. And they graciously did so. And then they said, and please forgive me for my part. Please forgive me for where you, you know, where, what I've said was not been helpful or, or whatever. And then they encouraged me. They loved me. They were for me. And what it did was this. I don't want to boot these into anyone's faces, but <laughs> it broke the wall down. Now, I know, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The freedom that brought in me and, and in the other person, it was good. But my part in this now 
is to not allow even this. I now have to be careful that I don't go, quick, build it up again. You know, it's going to be exactly the same as it was before. No, my heart response is now, Jesus, this first thing, I give it straight back to you. I choose to forgive right now. I give it over to you. And if I have to go and have the conversation, I have it now. Not when we've got like, you know, a 15 foot wall up with barbed wire, razor wire along the top, you know. Um, that's my part now. But it's funny because I thought I knew all these things and was living them out. I was living them out in one relationship, but not with another. Um, Proverbs 27, 17, we love this verse, right? We all know this one. It's the one that says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And we go, oh, that sounds like good friendship and lovely, oh, that's great. Iron sharpening iron, that's really uncomfortable. That's really painful. It's not, as a feather gently softens a feather, so a friend gently softens a friend. It's iron sharpening iron. If you get your steel in your kitchen and your knife and you start sharpening it down, it's taking bits off the edge to get it sharp and to what it should be. Iron sharpening iron is not comfortable. It's not. It's painful. But our love, our relationship with God is tested to prove that it is real, it's genuine. And our faith, our our relationships will be tested in the same way to prove that they are real. But the quality of a relationship Its depth and its value are known after the test and not before. And if we avoid the test because we might not like the outcome, we avoid the opportunity for God to refine us and refine the other person. This is like gold. When you refine gold, you uh, you put heat under it. And as it's heated, the impurities rise to the surface. And this is called dross and it's scooped off and the gold is refined. And you might have nine karat gold. And then you put it under the heat again and it's refined further, more impurities come to the surface, it's scooped off and you've got your 18 karat gold and your 24 karat gold. But it takes a constant, repetitive refining process of being put under heat. And I believe that we need to change the way we're seeing these difficult relationships as something that's negative and painful and hurtful to an opportunity for God to refine us. We need that heat. We need that confrontation. We need that difficulty sometimes to be the iron sharpening the iron, to bring off those, to cut off and and rub down and wear down those rough edges to make us those smooth vessels that Jesus intends us to be. So we need that fire to refine us a little bit. Um, And that's not comfortable, Um, but it's important. It does not matter the other person's lack of love or our perceived perception of their lack of love. It could be that they're doing a great job of loving us, but we're seeing them through this filter means that no matter what they do, we take it the wrong way. Our perception of their lack of love for us or their legitimate lack of love for us does not mean that we can respond likewise. We are not to love others as they love us, but as Jesus loves us. That's why we should not only love our friends who uphold their side of the relationship, but also our enemies. I don't know if you've ever, we we can kind of go, well, yeah, we'll love our enemies, but our enemies are a distant thing. They're another country somewhere who don't like us very much, or it's something very nebulous and far away. But sometimes I think the kind of enemy that Jesus is talking about here is our, our auntie, or our best mate that's really upset us. Do you know what I mean? They've become our enemy because we've, we're, we're now butting heads and we don't want to talk to them. Jesus says, love even our enemies. If we love our enemies, then we need to love our auntie or our, you know, our best mate or whatever. Other people's performance in this area is not the benchmark. It is Jesus' love for us that is the benchmark. We're not called to reflect each other's love back to that, back to one another, but to reflect out Jesus's love 
for us. Amen. John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus said this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Is there anyone in church that you avoid? Is there anyone, when they walk in, you kind of think, I'm just going to go over here, have my coffee, or talk to someone else, make sure that we don't engage in conversation. Is there anyone who, if you saw them in the street, you'd try and go and hide, hide in the shop or whatever, you know? Is there anyone, when they call and your phone rings, you think, oh, silence it, put it down, let's hope that they don't know that I'm in. <laughs> These are the relationship God wants to heal. And, and, and I'm not saying this to provoke anyone in, in a negative sense, like, well, if you've done this, you've done wrong. I did this, I did wrong. <laughs> that's, that's the point. But God wants to bring goodness and love and freedom to our lives, not condemn us. He's not, this message is hopefully not a condemning message. It's not intended to be, certainly. It's going, Jesus, I want to respond to you. I need to respond to you because I don't want any blockages this way or that way with my relationship with you or others. In, in what was going on in me, I was becoming a peacekeeper. I didn't want to have the conversation because I thought, I don't want to upset them. Well, I don't want to upset them, really. I didn't want to be upset myself. So I was just keeping the peace. As long as we don't talk about it, we'll pretend it's not there, then everything's okay. But Jesus never called us to be peacekeepers. He called us to be peacemakers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So going out of our way and having these conversations, they can be really difficult. But this is when we are, we're children of God, is when we're making that peace. Sometimes it's not a case of forgiveness or hurt. I had this with a friend of mine recently. They, we were good friends. You know, he hadn't said anything to upset me or anything like that. But there was something in his life that I knew wasn't right that needed addressing. And I, I feel I'd heard from God. But I didn't want to say it to him because I was worried that if I did, he would be upset with me and he wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. And it came to the point where I was like, I had to say to him, really sorry, I've not been your friend. I've had this thing in me that I feel I need to share with you, but I've not because I'm scared of your reaction or the way you might react to it. And I realised that's not me loving you. That's not me being your friend. Please forgive me. And he, he was a bit like, all right, yeah. What, what are you going to tell me? And I shared this thing with him and he didn't react that way at all. Um, I don't remember what it was. Again, I don't remember what the thing was that I wouldn't need to talk about because it was the response that was important, not, not the thing. Um, and now we have a better, deeper friendship where we can now talk about anything. We dealt with the elephant in the room and now there's nothing that needs to be dealt with. Um, so sometimes it's, again, it's, it's our pride of I don't want to go there because I'm afraid of the way it'll affect me. It's about our reaction, our reacting out of our emotions rather than responding to the Holy Spirit. What is my part in this? Why do we blame others and strive to be right? If there's an issue, let's own it, challenge it and allow God to deal with it in them and us by confronting it and talking about it. We need to see what God is saying to us first and respond to that. Please don't think, oh, Colin was talking about relationships today. That's given me permission to go and talk to this person and give them a piece of my mind. At last, I've got permission to do it. Sort it out. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't go and do that. This is not an excuse for fisticuffs. Um, this is our opportunity to go, okay, God, I know you need to, me to respond to you. Do something in my heart and then I'll go to them in humility with forgiveness. Never react, but respond. We are rooted and established in love, but do we act like it? 
There should be no blame or accusation, but we look at ourselves first. Ephesians 4, 3 and 4 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called. Sometimes we can believe the lie uh, that we don't need to forgive because what happened was in the past. It was 10 years ago, so I don't need to forgive them now. And I'm not talking about going digging up the past because all of us will have been hurt by somebody at some point in the past. But if you still have this wall up from what happened 10 years ago and you're still viewing life through that hole in the wall, through that filter, it's not in your past, it's your present. It's colouring your present. It needs to be dealt with, cut off, broken down and then left in the past. So let's not avoid it because we can, we can fool ourselves that we've dealt with it because it's historic. Um, this is not about our, our experience or our feelings. This is about a choice to respond to the Holy Spirit and to forgive. The truth of God's word says we can live in unity with all of our brothers. Reason says that we won't get on with everyone. But which are we going to believe? The truth that God says or reason? And finally, we need to remember this. I'm going to ask um, the guys, if you would mind coming up for a sec. We need to remember this. The devil wants division. John 17 says, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, in, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Psalm 133, we know it, we love it. Where there is unity, God commands a blessing. If we want to see the harvest, if we want to see God changing people's lives, and yet there's the, we can't even sit next to a person in the church because there's just such animos animosity between us, is that going to happen? You know, we need to see unity and, and common unity in the church. And I've asked these guys to come up right now just to basically make some noise. We're not going to sing a song or worship or anything like that right now. We're going to respond. But our response must be verbal and must be vocal. And if the person that you need to forgive is standing right next to you, I don't want any excuses of I didn't want them to hear. So that's why I'm asking these guys to make some noise. So would you stand with me right now? Because we're going to respond. And we're going to respond and then we're going to have a, a, a moment to then, once the deck has been cleared, we're going to just take a last couple of minutes to look at some things of God's blueprint moving forward. So if you felt far from God recently, if you felt I can't hear him or worship's not like it used to be, I want to challenge you. Is it something between you and God or could it be that actually it's because there's an issue between you and your brother or your sister? And, and that's bringing, that's God causing him, him to have to resist us. So it's not actually us and God, it's, it's our relationships with one another that's causing that resistance, that difficulty. But whatever's gone on, I'll encourage you just to close your eyes for a moment and just hear these words. It doesn't matter what the other person did. It, forgiveness does not say that it is right. What they did will never be right. It is not dismissing it or saying it was okay. But it is a choice. Now what we're going to be doing now as we bring this stuff before God, this is part of seeing these walls broken down. But it's not the whole part. You may need to go and have a conversation, pick up the phone or write a letter. But our, it's our response now that can enable that restoration. If you think that you can't do this, if you think you can't forgive the person, forgiving them is too hard, remember that you don't do this in your own strength. You do it in Christ. Now forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequence of the other person's sin. But we have a choice. We have to live with it either way. 
but we can either live with it in bitterness and in pain, or live with it in freedom through forgiveness. Forgiveness is choosing not to hold someone's sin against them anymore. It's choosing to let go of that filter and no longer see them through it. And you cannot ever wait until you feel like forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. But once we've forgiven and we're coming back into right relationship with God, we've done our part, then of course, do you know the next thing that happens? He releases his, his, his forgiveness to us, his healing and the, the emotional healing and those feelings often follow. So the first thing we need to do right now is forgive others. Now, we're just gonna say, God, would you show me anyone that I need to forgive? We don't need to go looking, but would you show me? And I was surprised when I was preparing for this message, God showed me some people that I need to forgive. Um, I didn't even realize that I needed to, but I did. Uh, I need to go have those conversations. You might have someone already in your mind, but when someone's there, we're gonna say these words. Lord, I choose, not want, I choose to forgive and say their name. And say this out loud, this verbal, vocal response. Lord, I choose to forgive and say their name. I choose to forgive them for, and then say the hurt, whatever the thing was they did, or lack of what they did. Which made me feel, and just tell God, this is how it made me feel at the time. You can do that again, just do this verbally, speak it out. You can tell the Lord every hurt and every pain that he brings to mind. So Lord, I choose to forgive this person for what they did, which made me feel like this. And then what I like to do, I find these words really helpful. Lord, I choose to let them off the hook now. And I see that hook coming out of them and that's it, it's done. More than that isn't grace, that's all we need to do. Just that, that one thing is so simple. The next thing we need to do is to pray, to choose not to hold on to resentment. And you can just do that in your own words. Jesus, I choose not to hold on to this resentment, to view life or this person through this filter any longer. And the thing that immediately follows it is, Father, forgive me. We first forgive and then he can forgive us. Father, forgive me for the way I've seen that person, for my bitterness, my anger, for not doing this sooner. Thank you, Jesus, you forgive me. And then we can ask him for healing. Lord, would you heal me? We had a testimony in Horsham last week about a guy um, who was physically healed, hadn't prayed for a long time, they were physically healed after they had gone and forgiven their, their brother. If you need healing, has the thing that's been holding that healing back from you been this issue? Now lastly, we're gonna ask God to bless them. And again, do this out loud. God, I ask you to bless this person. If they're not a Christian, say, God, would you pour out your salvation, your grace on them, reveal your goodness that they may know this freedom that I know, this mercy that I know. If they are, just pray, God, your prosperity, your love for them, that you would show them how good you are, that they become more like you as well. And I'm just going to pray over us. Lord, I thank you that you love us enough to not let us stay where we have been, but you cause us to come out into freedom, into a spacious place. Every wall, in the name of Jesus, I speak a breaking down and a breaking off. 
I come against every excuse, every but, and every but you don't know in Jesus' name. And I come against that lie of the enemy that says it's too much or it's too hard. And I speak grace to forgive. Father, I thank you, Lord that as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fiery furnace, it said that there was not even the smell of smoke upon their robes. And Father, I thank you over every person to the sound of my voice that Lord, there would be not even the smell of smoke of a hurt or, uh, or any offence in relationship. That the atmosphere between us would be as though there is not even the smell of smoke. It is completely and utterly dealt with in Jesus. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, our next step in our response here is not just praying right now. It is to go and have the conversation where it's needed. Now, sometimes you don't need to. It's just dealt with and that is it. You know that's it. It's dealt with. I don't need to have the conversation. But a lot of the time we do. And I encourage you, don't leave that till tomorrow. Do that today. Do it even after the service. Maybe your offence is with someone in the church. Maybe it's with Pastor Jonathan or Andrew or me or you didn't like something I said today. Let's talk about it. it. Maybe it's with the person you sat next to. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your friend. Talk about it. Deal with it. But not out of a, oh great, now I can have the conversation. Go, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do first? And come in humility. But do it today. And if you think you're going to struggle with that, I encourage you to have what I had in Simon. Someone to keep you accountable. Have you had that conversation yet? So say to the person after the service, I need to have a conversation with a person or tell, you can tell them maybe, I don't know, whatever you feel is appropriate. Can you make sure that I do? Just, just prod me. If I've not had it by next week, you can give me a slap on the wrist and say, do it today. Call them now. Okay, because that can be really helpful. It's why we have one another. If you want to take a seat just for a moment, we've got a couple minutes left and I just want to give us a few. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That was awesome. That was awesome. They, they don't just make noise, do they? They, they make a holy noise. <laughs> now that we're clearing this, these decks, how can we move forward to make sure that we're not letting a single brick be laid between us? Um, a couple of weeks ago, Kate and I had to take our beautiful little baby. She's two months, Ari, our daughter, Arely. She's so gorgeous. I love her to bits. We had to take her to a hospital appointment, you know, for a general checkup thing after however long it is. And, uh, and I was sat in the front seat of the car. Kate was in the back. She was just putting her in the car seat and uh, she threw up everywhere. Uh, the baby, not Kate. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and Kate, I just heard Kate go, oh no. And I'm sat in the front. I turn around and I say, oh no, what happened? Kate completely blanks me completely ignores me. I'm sat in the front seat and I must have got out the wrong side of the bed because normally that wouldn't have bothered me, but it hurt me a little bit. So, oh, so you don't care what I, if you know that I'm interested. I want to help, but you just don't care. You just do your own thing. Oh, fine, fine. But we've made a decision. We won't let even a pebble lay between us. And this was a pebble. This was not like, this is not like we're going to have a massive argument about it. This was just a tiny little hurt. It's the tiniest thing. It was like a thorn, like a teeny tiny thing. But I knew that we've got this agreement, we wouldn't let that stand. So we drove to wherever we were going, the GPs or whatever it was, and I just turned to her, I said, you know when, when whatever happened and you said, oh no, what's going on? And I turned and I said, what happened? And you ignored me. That hurt me a little bit. This is how it made me feel. Um, and, uh, and I just wanted to talk to you about it. And she went, oh, I'm so sorry. I was really hurt because... She threw up everywhere and you didn't care I, because she hadn't heard me. So I turn around and say, are you okay? And she thinks, well, Colin doesn't care. Like, I'll just sort this all myself and I'm covered in sick and he doesn't even care. And so can you see what could have happened is that years down the line, 
I've got this thing in my heart where this wall's built up and I'm thinking, you never involve me, you never include me, you don't care, you know, and she's got this brick in her heart going, Colin doesn't care what goes on, he leaves me to do everything. Can you see where these kind of relationships can go? Now, praise God, that's not what happened. We have a relationship where we deal with these things and I thank God that there is nothing between us as a couple that we can't talk about. There's nothing that we're concerned about. If I bring this up, this is going to be a touchy subject. This is going to be difficult. I'm scared of the way she's going to react or I'm going to react to her. There are no eggshells that we are walking upon. And I thank God for that relationship. And I believe that is God's best for every single one of us. And when we first got married, we've been married coming up six years. um, When we first got married, we maybe had, I don't know, a handful of bricks or something to deal with every year. We'd have something come up and we'd have to have a really good conversation about it and sort it out. But now, like, maybe one this year, maybe, something like that. Because it not only deals with it in the moment, but it builds trust and love. And we had that conversation in the car about the whole sick thing. And you know what? It didn't just deal with the pebble in the time and sort of get rid of that. But what it did was it went, oh, I'm so, so appreciative and thankful we can have these conversations, just deal with it straight away. It brought more love, more thankfulness, and more honesty and openness. So it's not just it deals with it in the moment, it's building instead of bricks, it's building openness. So my last couple of tips, my last minute, is this. Be humble. Be willing to ask forgiveness for your part first. Even if they did 90%, 95%, 99%, we probably, most of the time, 99% of the time, we have a part to play, right? And go in forgiveness, even for the 1%. Be humble and provoke them to humility. Don't settle for a standoff. Be prepared to put the work in. I don't know if this is stereotyping or a bit of a broad brush, but as a guy, I don't find this easy. I find talking about emotional stuff really tiring, really wearing. I don't want to do it. My natural reaction is to shut down and just like, ignore it. Guys and girls, if that's you as well, ladies, this is worth it. Don't settle for shutting down. Deal with it. Deal with the confrontation. Confront it. Have some emotional insight. See, why is this provoking me so much? Why is this so hurtful? What's going on in me to know why am I immediate? Why is my immediate reaction a short, sharp, like, you know, reaction? Where's my response? Holy Spirit, what are you doing in me? Have some emotional insight. And remember that your words matter. Don't let your ref- words reflect past hurts. Statements like, you always do that, or you never do that, that's not loving. That's not our word seasoned with salt. That's not speaking the words that Jesus speaks. That's, that's speaking out of hurt. That's, that's shouting across the wall. That's it. Let's never let our words reflect that hurt or that brokenness. And finally, don't put it off till tomorrow. Not just now in this instance, but every time coming up. And you might have to have a succession of lots of conversations over the next months or years or whatever, whether it's a boss or a loved one or whatever. But the more you do, the less you need it. Because the more openness there is and the less hurt there is to, uh, that's built before. And lastly, if you're not a Christian here this morning and you're thinking, well, that's great for you. Well, you've got this Holy Spirit inside and that obviously seems to be working for a lot of you. But I'm stuck where I am. I would love to talk to you after the service and introduce you to this guy, Jesus. Because firstly, he's the one who helps us sort out these relationships. But also, the relationship with him is the most important relationship we can possibly have. And lastly, if you've heard something today that has been difficult or or helpful, um, I really encourage you, whether you've done the Freedom course before or not, encourage you to do it again or do it for the first time because it gives you so much more space for exactly this kind of thing it is 
fantastic. Do it again. It's not like we have to, if you do it, there's stigma around it or you're not free. We want to live in freedom every day for the rest of our lives. And if there's been something particular about this that's touched you in your marriage or you need to have a conversation in your marriage, I really encourage you to sign up for the marriage course. It's only up in, in Horsham. It's half an hour away. Um, it's be in the summer. Kate and I have done it. We loved it. It was like date night for seven weeks with a fantastic meal and a great talking point and it was brilliant loved it whether you've got a great marriage or your marriage is falling apart or wherever you are on the spectrum encourage everyone to do it because it is brilliant so can you just turn to the person next to you and say amen i'm going to do this today thank you for listening to this kingdom faith podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you for more information and resources from kingdom faith and our other audio and video podcasts please visit www.kingdomfaith.com 